In this 151st episode, we have questions that pertain to... Firstly, how great a podcast we are, so we have to get to that question first because I'm not quite sure about that one. We've also got somebody that talks about Confucius Crocker in his question, so that would be very interesting. We've got Ian Bate and a question about FTP building and a little bit of research about water lemon juice and also beetroot juice. So there we go. Here comes the 151st podcast. Welcome to the 10th year of the Coach Joe Beer Multisport Podcast for triathletes, duathletes, sportive riders, road racers, time trialists, runners, mountain bikers and fitness enthusiasts. Whatever your distance and whatever your event, this podcast aims to make you smarter and faster. We are supported by No Pin, suppliers of cycling, running, triathlon, triathlon aero clothing and custom kit, innovators of the Speed Pocket, Speed Belt, HS Trip Strips and many, many, many other things. Visit the website at nopins.com. Also supported by Sitting In and helped by... Nice smile, Martin. Southforkracing.co.uk for all your biking needs with great brands such as Scott, Infocrank, Garmin, GoPro, Powerbar, Continental, Tax, Park Tools, Beat It, what else can I see? Focus, Cyclops, Profile Design, Syncross. There's quite a lot of brands here. Everything's online. Southforkracing.co.uk. So, hello, I'm Coach Joe Beer. Who are you? Hello, I am Confucius Crocker. <laughs> and, and we join you today from the uh, fabulous uh, South Fork, or SFR as we like to call it, uh, HQ. HQ, yes, with a capital H. I think we dive straight in. This is the first of 2017. We dive straight in with our nice new bit of music, thanks to our sound engineer. Music posh. tech Music guru. tech guru, Henry Benning. So, first question, not from Henny Bang, from Toby Britton, and he says, Hi Joe and Confucius Crocker. Not sure about that bit. I have been training and listening to your podcast for five seasons, and it's been an endless source of great tips and training knowledge. Always fun and interesting, apart from the tyre talk. Must be talking about completely different, completely different podcasts. He's learned quickly. Yes. This year, and at least... This year, after at least three years of upset stomach, I sought guidance from a GP. After a number of unpleasant tests, I've been diagnosed with celiac disease. As I am sure you know, it's an autoimmune disease which causes your body to attack your gut when gluten is present. I had always assumed Ironman training and too many gels were the problem. I have cut gluten from my diet and the symptoms have gone completely. Celiac disease uh, can remain undiagnosed in one in a hundred. Um, a simple blood test can help uh, find the issue. If undiagnosed, it can lead to osteoporosis, stomach cancer, etc. Et um, I'll be interested to hear if anyone else has had similar experience or if intense training may be some sort of trigger. There is loads of uh, great info at Celiac UK. I'm guessing that's celiacuk.co.uk or something similar like that. Thanks, guys. And that was from Toby Britton. So, um, are you celiacs? No. No. I'm not. Well, we could be. Right. I don't, I don't think I am. But I have actually got a client who's a time trialist who got himself tested for it and found that he was. It made a huge difference, cutting out the, the wheat and therefore cutting out the gluten. And this wouldn't be somebody that was easy fooled by his own sort of uh, pre, uh, preconditions to thinking, oh, I've got it right, it must be right. He did it and was really surprised on the effect that it had. And uh, it's not to jump on the we hate um, wheat and things with gluten bandwagon. For some people, it just seems to click. But maybe some people don't realise they've got it because they haven't necessarily looked at the symptoms and I think if I remember rightly this guy said he asks patients you know how are your bowels are they normal and people say yes 
sometimes people with celiacs, their bowel frequency is much higher than normal, but people just say, oh, it's normal because that's what they've got used to. And it's actually, there's like a frequency at which point it sounds like your body's actually, um, if you're like a overactive is probably a good term. Uh, but I think it's quite good, Toby, you've managed to cut things down uh, gluten-wise and, and it's improved. You did say at the final bit whether... Intense training may be some sort of trigger. Now, on a separate note, which wouldn't be connected with celiacs, but which may cause people to get uh, what loosely is termed runner's trots, high-intense exercise does cause a increase or an increase in the actual amount that the gut can become leaky, and that would be exacerbated in heat. And with running, you get higher core temperatures and you can cause it in as short as a hard 5k in a hot conditions so that won't be the reason why you get celiacs but it may well aggravate it because it's also hitting the stomach so that could compound the sensation that your body's letting through something that it shouldn't do but the uh, leaky gut syndrome can be solved and has been shown in very very solid research to be solved by taking two to four weeks of uh, of colostrum and that's where i'm i'm coming from the angle of look you may not have celiacs but you might notice that you've got Prevention stomach issues cure. those that go running find some people say oh i've got to really time my runs or else i get this real problem i've got to jump in the hedges and hedgerows and so forth um so I think there's always an effect you can have on your stomach, whether it's what you eat or what you do, and people end up putting up with it, and they shouldn't. They should do something about it. This is uh, this is actually, <coughs> excuse me, something that I don't suffer from, but I do have. Oh, but you know, a friend. I do. I have family and friends <laughs> right. that that suffer it. And and funny enough, it was something that I spoke to a, a very close friend of mine who was. The best way to describe it without going into detail was... he was, looked a bit like you and he sounded a bit like no, you. No, no, no. <laughs> he was extremely regular to the point where you could set your watch by him. But it was every 10... It was 10 minutes after he had eaten. Right. And then it... Kind so of a very quick stop watch you could set him by. constantly like. went through the day. Yeah. Um, and uh, this... Uh, the actual question... Or the... Or the the subject from Toby um, kind of struck a bit of a chord because obviously we have a little read through, don't we? Kind of the the, the well, let's pretend we do. Yeah, the, the we have a little read through. <laughs> yeah, questions that come through. We spend we hours. A, we have a little read through, um, and this has struck a chord with me slightly because I noticed this with with my friend, and, and it, it's a close friend of mine. And I just said to him, you know, <laughs> he looks just a, like you and sounds just like you. Is it? This is a you know you should need to you need to go to the doctors about this. And funny enough, yeah, he went and had a a very simple blood test and he was petrified thinking they were going to do all sorts of nasty ghoulish tests yeah and um they basically did a blood test and just went yeah this is the problem and now he does not suffer from this but he is also a very very good athlete um and he was saying had exactly so it's not you then. no it's definitely <laughs> not me um he said he used to suffer from the runner's trots but now he can go and do his long sessions running wise and yeah. he doesn't get in inverted commas caught short yeah. it's everything is and he right. feels was that better. mostly through a change of diet yes massive change of diet yeah. huge change of diet he he was a, a guy that was um he constantly had this ravenous appetite he's not you know he's not a big lad you know he weighs he's a bit heavier than me so he's about 11 stone. so he is about your height yeah, about your build. <laughs> and he's about 11 stone and um he just had this constant appetite, right. which he never... He just thought, oh, he did a lot of exercise, and, yeah. and that was it. Uh, went to the doctors, doctors gave him the blood test, told him, look, you know, this is something that you possibly could try, you know, as a as a help towards mm. maybe looking after your stomach. So he, he, went, he went in, um, feet first, into it, um, and ever since then, he's, he's been like a, a different person, pretty right. much. So, That's amazing. Um, and I offer... I, I kind of offered to... to to lend him or give him some of my colostrum to kind of help him out, thinking maybe it was just a little bit of leaky, leaky. Yeah. And he tried it, and he did say it did make him better. Yeah. But it more just, so the diet. Yes, it just staved off a problem that yeah. returned. Yeah. And yeah. then this has been a long, a long yeah. problem that he's had, and, yeah. and, and it's. And we don't. Out, we don't so. want to start a you know a big Twitter discussion on it, but I think it's good to go to Celiac uh, UK, particularly. I've had people that have had gut issues and it's, I don't think it's been related to celiacs, but 
lots of people don't talk about it. It's kind of a bit of a taboo. And yet lots of people, why the phrase runner's trots is a phrase is that so many people get it. And I think you need to do something about it and not just put up with it. And whether it is change the diet, whether it is go to the doctor and get a test, whether it is go for a couple of weeks on colostrum to help rebuild your gut. Exercise, particularly strenuous exercise, and definitely exercise where you raise your core temperature significantly, does have effects on your gut. Your gut isn't bomb-proof. And if you don't sort it out, your absorption of foodstuffs and your recovery, your frequency of going to the toilet, the, the amount that... Um, simple social situations can put people in embarrassing situations it's massive I mean when people have got this I know people where this has been a real like social stigma and I think it's important to make sure that you definitely um, you definitely do something about it you don't assume you've got it you, you know probably get medical advice on it and it doesn't have to be extreme often it's just tweaking people's diet for a short period or forever but if it makes them feel better and they recover then that's really good so thank you toby great question good to know that you've found something i don't think intense exercise makes it worse but if you do intense exercise whether it's training to get better at intense exercise or it's intense exercise in itself you know what it's still not going to help you absorb that exercise if you're getting diarrhea and you're not absorbing foodstuffs so it may not be the cause of intense sorry intense exercise may not cause it but it's certainly not going to make your intense exercise better and your performance is better if you have issues great question it is i mean and, and certain things like celiac disease and diabetes and things like that that are, are raised in sport i think is uh, it, the, the more we the more we admit to it the more information that we can gain from it or the better testing, then the better we'll all be. So that's good. I like that. Yeah, good, yeah. Question. Yeah. good question. Next question is from Rob Brooks. And when he filled his form in at uh, coachofbeer.com, he clicked on the form, he entered all his bits and pieces. And he's into triathlon, duathlon, cross-country mountain biking and ultra running. And his phone number is... Uh, no, a joke. Um, he says... Hi Joe Crocker. I put the Crocker bit in, by the way. Just said hi Joe, and that's really not. That's really offensive. Oh, that's right. No, you're 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 the big part. I just. I'm not I'm, the star. I'm, I'm not I'm just star the monkey. Joe. I'm just the monkey. You're the organ, <laughs> you're the organ grinder. Uh, huge thanks for producing such a great podcast. It's brilliant to listen to more technical aspects of many sports. I love discussed in such a way that I can understand, but not feel like I'm being taught how to suck eggs. Keep up the great work. He doesn't mention tyres or chains, though, does he? Thank no, goodness. No, thank goodness. He knows that we've probably only got an hour and a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question I'm struggling to find the answer to, and I'm sure there is a calculation or other such rule of thumb to uh, guide me uh, based on scientific and mathematical facts. So question, how do I decide between racing with a disc wheel or deep section rim for long course triathlon? I'm keen to understand at what point any aero advantage of a disc wheel provide, uh, provides is offset by the additional weight for climbs or effect of wind speed and direction. Also, uh, I'm only a smaller light rider, five foot seven and 140 pounds. So will this affect my choice as well? Any help and advice would be appreciated. Thanks, Rob in Nottingham. So he entitled his question, disc or deep? So I guess there's this thing that, you know, you're in long course triathlon. And what we've got to look at is long course triathlon, you're probably doing uh, speeds, you know, let's say, even if you're the, the, you know, the fastest long course triathlons do, do triathletes rather do at the male level do 25 miles an hour. Most age groupers at a solid level on the right course, let's say a flatter course, can get down to 20, 21 miles an hour, okay? Hilly courses, lots of people are down at the 18, 17, and 16. So even at 20 miles an hour, my hunch is that at the back of the bike, the advantage that a disc gives you is so small compared to a relatively good deep wheel that really it's like looking really impressive in the transition area but not necessarily delivering that much of an impressive 
drop in drag. It will be a bit heavier. The other part is that it is a disc and it is no longer a spoked wheel. So there are some spoked ones, but still they don't ride like a spoked wheel. And you've got to consider how much comfort you give up by riding on a solid disc. And if you've ever ridden a solid disc for um, something like 50 miles um, I don't think I've ever ridden 100 on a disc. I know I've ridden 50, but I don't think I've ridden 100. There is an offset there, or whether there's a compromise. And I don't think when you look at the bike, that's really where that much money is going to make that much difference. Because a disc to deep, um, should we say, extrapolation would only ever talk about a handful of watts. And that isn't really enough to offset the weight unless you're going to get a hideously expensive um, disc wheel of which we've got one not a million miles away from us which is a lightweight disc um, and that you're traveling so fast that you start looking where more can I improve I think there's much more to be found in keeping your um, your tires your chain your clothing you know all those bits and pieces absolutely optimized and that's where you can spend quite easily the same amount as a disc wheel but to have tangible additions which can easily surpass five watts your clothing compared to what you've got right now could easily go into the 10 watts and above if you have the right clothing versus perhaps at the moment not having the best clothing there is then you've got tires they're forever moving forwards and those got to be upgraded every year to the tune of something like 100 150 pounds so i think maybe you're looking at the the, you know the one area of the bike that it looks great and it would be great at high speed and for a time trialist or for a pro tour rider and for very fast triathletes that are doing 24 25 miles an hour but i think at age group level it's um it's a false messiah i think it looks great but i think the performance gains they're just not there and I think maybe you would therefore feel like it must be working and wondering why it's not really making the, the effect that it has and therefore question whether you're actually riding as well. If you've got power, you can probably do your own tests, but I wouldn't say you're going to notice a big enough difference. I'd agree. I'd agree. <laughs> I, and, and, and we was, move on. That's probably <laughs> the, the worst thing to say if you kind of work in a bike shop. But um, I think if you look at what your money buys you. The disc is a very, very pretty thing to look at. Yeah. But ultimately, it is almost a one or a two trick pony. Yeah. You know, you can only really use it on super flat, super fast courses. Mm. And like you said, the, the area then of comfort that it gives you, it is a lot stiffer to ride with than a standard wheel, which sounds odd. Yeah. But also the amount of fatigue if your bike handling is good, you don't notice it quite so much on the back, I must be I must be honest. But if you're not so confident on a bike, then it's you're using a little bit more energy just to yeah. hold that bike a little bit steadier. Yeah. They are a little bit heavier. All right, the, 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 the weight difference between a wheel and a disc now is nominal, you know, it's dropped quite a bit. Yeah. Um but I think your money is better spent on having a spoked wheel that you could use for pretty much anything mm. you know even if it is a slightly deeper sectioned um spoked wheel but you will get your more value for money out of riding that wheel on anything than you would be on a very very specific disc yeah. wheel where you can only really use it on you know either flat out courses or ultimately flat courses yeah and it uh, does it does depend on this you know on this long course uh race Specifics, you know, is it is it something more lumpy and technical, like uh, like say Wales, where actually you want you know nice fat tires, good braking surfaces. You also don't want to have something that doesn't really bend into the corners. The stiffness of a disc when you start going into trying to handle it, it handles completely different to a um, normal spoke wheel. It doesn't bend with you, which is what actually happens on a on a spoked wheel. It doesn't. It hasn't got the compliance, has it? it hasn't yeah. got the compliance yeah. and yeah. and the uh, manoeuvrability. You just go, well, wheels a wheel, surely, but it actually stiffens the back end of the bike so much that sometimes it's actually detrimental. Yeah. To the to the way the bike handles. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also, if it's you know, people say, "Oh, I can get a you know cheaper, uh, you know, older one from a few years ago." Then you start looking at the weight of it, and now you've got a big penalty in weight. And unless, uh, really, unless there's nowhere else within your equipment, yes, you say your, um, you know, your uh, what five seven and 
and uh, what's 140 pounds? Is that 10 stone? I'm trying to think how many pounds it is to a stone. Um, yeah, that's 140 pounds, isn't it? So, you know, you're lighter and you can still get blown around. I remember doing a sprint try on a bike with a disc and a tri-spoke and it was 45 degrees and leaning on the bike to try and keep it from, from being whipped over because you present such a surface area from very strong winds. And although those are rare, you don't want to have to choose between your back wheel and not using it based on it being a windy day. And on long course, what you do not want is a bike that's got a disc or even deep rim wheels that are too deep and you're spending too much effort trying to keep your bike in a straight line and trying to handle the thing. That then over 112 miles tires you out and you often see the clued up long distance racer particularly in Kona and particularly female athletes that would be yes lighter than you but not some of the heavier male athletes but they'll go for smaller wheels because they do not want to be blown around and be fighting a bike. I know people think a deep rim will make a big difference in watts but it makes such a small difference and if you're being scraped sideways on the road and you're struggling to keep in a straight line those supposed extra two three four watts that you get from these deep rims are only going to be lost by the fact that you're scrubbing the bike sideways and trying to keep yourself upright so i really don't think it's that attractive a proposition and there's so many other bits that are regularly moving forwards as the different brands have to evolve and are evolving better stuff i think just keeping on top of the existing gear you've got and maybe checking that you have got a, you know a very up-to-date well lubricated chain that you have got tires that are at least 25 and for some people particularly on the harder courses they stick very good quality 28s on and it handles better it grips better they have no issues in the rain and it's a couple of hundred grams um, heavier at the very very most so not even a couple of hundred grams not even 100 grams heavier at the very most uh, then there's your clothing and looking at the stuff that I've seen and know about in terms of clothing drag it's like wow that's the place where people like um, especially um, uh, what's his name uh, Sebastian Keenley they've said that you know they reckon they've found over 15 watts in his clothing in just tweaking how it fits and where the seams are and so forth um, I, I like the idea that a disc for a time trialist would give us a different answer to this question but for triathlete i very rarely would see people that that's the that's the you know that's almost the missing link that we've been um unable to uh say is oh that's the difference between you going fast and going slow different for scott Edley when he was racing in australia he was trying to break the um the 820s and he got down to 817 and yeah he was on a disc but he was traveling at 25 miles an hour and it wasn't horrendously windy it wasn't horrendously hilly and at that point everything else has been dialed in so it's a good question because it's a carrot in front of people and if they see a second hand one they think oh i could get yeah i could get my bike to look like a super bike and there's a you know there's this there's this quite cheap disc wheel out there and it's like you'll get what you pay for the very very lightest ones are pretty expensive and most of the others unless you're on a very flat course and you are a time trialist, are going to be a waste of money. It'd look great, it'd look intimidating in transition, but you wouldn't be able to follow it up because it doesn't really deliver. Well, the thing is, on a windy course as well, it doesn't look very intimidating if you're sat or stood by the side of the road or been in a gutter or yeah. things like that. I, 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 would, I would choose a spoked wheel over a disc wheel every day of the week. Yeah. Um, just for value for money as well. Your return on your money is probably a better way to look at it as well. Well so. done, Martin. Great, great answer. But there is a very nice light. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is yes. a very, very light. And I've been ridden it a few times. Uh, time actually, in time, no, in short distance time, in short distance time trials and short distance triathlons it's a very nice wheel. But it's not like the you know it's not it's not the difference when you look at rider position. Um, even even how riders get used to riding in an aero position, you can find you can find ten or fifteen watts in most people's position, right? Very cheaply. A disco is a very expensive place to find like five or so. Um, so I, I I I think it's it's good to put these in a pecking order. And like you say, every day of the week you go for a spoke wheel. Here's a good one, and this is where you can help out. Because um, I think you know a bit about this. Well, a bit about this. 
This was from Ian Bate, and he did a classic, which was he responded to the Twitter, um, the Twitter tweet that went out about the podcast, and he said, right, I know a lot of people... Um, uh, I can't remember his first thing was... Uh, he said, oh, yeah, just wondering your thoughts on the 12-week um, Zwift training programme. And then I asked him about it and said, uh, it's an FTP builder, so it's trying to build your, your threshold power. Um, and listen to your podcast for many years now. Um, I was interested in your opinion. Um, it's available to see online at whatsonzwift.com slash workouts. And then he said, I know a lot of people um, and uh, they either do the advanced winter plan or the 12-week FTP builder. So I went off and, uh, yeah, I had a look at it, and it was it was very new to me. I hadn't seen that. So I just went on there, started looking, started working out the percentages of power, da, 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 thinking, boy, it certainly gives people variety, okay? Um, I'm not going to say that I looked at it and could work out whether it did or didn't work. I could get the theory of it. Lots of it was still base, but it was varying around... Um, it's varying around little segments and then slightly higher intensity, but still not high intensity, slightly higher intensity base work. I tried to print it out, but the thing was the actual graphics didn't come out. So it wasn't like a complete printout. It doesn't seem to print very well. So whether that's deliberate Zwift, I don't know. But you couldn't print out the little graphs that showed how the intensity varied. And there was a little bit of intensity, but without it printing out properly, I, I can't recall it. And I looked at it and thought, actually, it does give you a little bit of structure. If you're riding indoors, I know that people find it very difficult to ride at just a steady tempo and be, be occupied with, you know, listening to uh, this droning on of podcasts or some of the great ones are out there, in fact, or, you know, Simon Mayo at five o'clock on the radio <laughs> or watching the television. You know, lots of people can actually um, divert their um, focus to something else because they say it's boring if I just sit there and, and ride the bike. So I get it why there is some variety within base work because if you're out on the road, you wouldn't ride exactly the same wattage you'd have changes of gear changes of incline uh, the actual preciseness of the ftp development to be honest ftp development i look back at the research and even in the 80s they could see intervals and how if you do something like six ox of five minutes at around 85 percent heart rate max and above you'll develop your threshold because you're at or just above threshold and you'll develop it can right? i can i take this back to its bare bones yeah go on then ftp ftp functional threshold power so this is the power that in theory because most people don't do this in theory you sustain for one hour okay so this back dates from this would have been back dating initially from uh conconi and francesco moser when they were working for the hour record so they worked on what was the sustainable lactate level that you could hold for an hour and what was the heart rate. And so they found this formula mole and or uh, threshold point, which was just defined around the hour point because that's what the hour record was. Not many people compete for exactly an hour. OK, so people that, you know, ride a 25 mile TT for 50 minutes clearly can spend some of that time above FTP because they're not riding for an hour people riding that 25 TT and it takes them um, an hour 15 can't ride at their FTP because their FTP is for 60 minutes and this is longer. So it's a strange one that I always think FTP is, is a good definition because it's your threshold, your one hour sustained. But most people find it by doing a 20 minute effort. Okay, so they do a 20 minute effort and then times it by, I think at the top of my head, is it... Is it um, divide it by 0.95 or times it by 0.95, whatever it is, you work it out as a percentage of that duration. And I'm thinking from time trial perspective, what somebody does for 10 miles is about 80% of the peak power. What they do for an hour is about 75. So there's a 5% drop off between the two. So you take an extrapolation for what you can do for 20 minutes and you say, my FTP has gone to this point. Now, that's okay if you're trying to develop FTP, right? You can develop your FTP just by doing base work because you get fitter and fitter and fitter. You won't be ready for threshold work because it will be an unaccustomed effort. So sometimes you've got to think, why are you developing that 12-week FTP? Not, oh, it's threshold, it must work. Yeah? So, yeah, it will develop your fitness, but do you need to develop your threshold capacity? Because actually, if you were, for example, um, you were doing Zwift, 
but you wanted to do, um, for example, you're doing that, but you also cross-trained and you wanted to do a fast 5K park run, you'd need to do stuff over and above FTP to get used to the demands of a 5K, which is much more above. So FTP is, lots of people talk about the FTP test for 20 minutes, but forget that's not your FTP. Your FTP is less than that by about 5%. And I think I get why you might develop it, and I get why Zwift would be a good way of keeping variety in there. But you've got to ask, do you need to develop your Zwift for 12 weeks time and ultimately is your event shall we say mostly controlled by what your FTP level is because if you're doing triathlon then this person I'm not sure whether they were doing it um, you know for I don't know sporties time trialing or whether they were traffic I don't know I, I didn't actually ask which sport he was doing but if you were doing say Ironman, whether your FTP's gone up is, is not actually, and somebody can argue the toss, but it's the case that it's not actually going to mean that you, have to, you can go that much harder on the bike. That just shows that you, for short periods of time, either the 20-minute test or if you ever did a 25-mile time, try to say, oh, I can knock out a few more watts. But that reaches a ceiling limit. And what you've got to watch with this 12-week program is you might have your FTP uh, peaked in 12 weeks, but is that what you need to peak in 12 weeks? Or is it that point you've got to say, well, yeah, at that point, I've got to be able to ride, you know, 120 mile long ride. I've got to be doing two lots of um, 90 minute long runs and I've got to be doing this, this and this. So I think I would say it's a good thing that's out there to use, Ian, but people need to try and understand what are they trying to do and don't ignore the fact that there is quality in there, but you also are doing base work that has plenty of variety in there and a tiny bit of quality. So, to give people the lowdown, which everybody, I guess, will know anyway what Zwift is. You say, ah, what Zwift? Well, Zwift, effectively, if you now have, well, you don't even have to have a smart turbo trainer. It is a platform that you can ride and soon run on. Yeah, blown your mind. So what <laughs> Grandad Joe was trying to, uh, <laughs> to get to is... Um, Swift now, so most of the turbo trainers are what we call smart compatible trainers. So you can, on 90% of them, plug them into formats that are uh, available. So you download an app, you download a program, uh, Zwift being one of them, um, you know, Trainer Road being another. Um, they have on there, basically, it's a virtual reality world that you can mm. turbo train on that give you ascent, descent, you know, um, you can download training programs, as, as Ian has, has kind of alluded to. Um, you know, it's actually, I speak as I find, I'm on Zwift. Now, if you are pushed for time, you can go onto your turbo trainer, you can ride a lap, hills, mountains on there. If your turbo trainer adds resistance to it automatically, yeah. when the terrain goes up on there, the the, the ride gets harder. Yeah, Because do I, I don't use it, and I know yes. you use it, because you sometimes tell me, oh, I've been riding up in London. <laughs> I'm like, blimey, you're back here by nine o'clock. That, that was quick. That was quick. That was yeah. quick. Um, does it work... Where if you've got, say, a pretty bog-standard trainer like that, Cyclops, that isn't smart, yep. right, does it have the capacity to still work off of a crank-based power system so it can still adjust how much or show how much work you're doing? Yes, basically, if you had a very basic turbo trainer, yeah. but you had a heart rate, you can manually put in what kind of turbo trainer, what your weight is, yeah. and then it will work out your weight you know, your watts per kilogram. Um, as it goes uphill, uh, it can pick up cadence, it can still pick up heart rate, okay. but it then slows your speed down. So you need to then go faster when yeah. you're going uphill, even though the speed or the wattage on, on the screen shows your heart rate's going up, but your speed has dropped off, you're yeah. going uphill, it can't add any percentage resistance to the turbo trainer, but you're having to work harder. Right. To go faster, yeah, 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 even yeah, though it's, yeah. it's kind of track. Yeah. So there must be an algorithm or something in there. It's worked out your weight, it yeah. worked, you know, your drag. Um, it's now so advanced that if you've got a smart trainer and you're riding in a group, you get the benefits of, of toe, you get the benefits yeah. of drafting. Um, it, in, my, in my mind, in my view, it's a fantastic piece of kit if you it's are... It's built your body, let's be honest. It's built the body to what it is. You know, your, yes. your body would be worse if it oh, wasn't for... Oh, hideously. Yeah. Hideous. But 
it is such a good piece of kit to use and I know the turbo trainers now aren't cheap I think the most affordable uh, smart trainer is going to be three four hundred quid yeah um, the most advanced is 161700 Tax have now bought out a rolling road, which is like a treadmill. So you yeah. can use it as a treadmill. Yeah. It's wider. It has uh, elevation on it as well. Um, that's gonna, I think it's the best part of three, four grand, that right. thing. Soon so, people won't even leave their house, will they? That's it. But then you have to realise is it's perfect for you doing your training for a bit of structure, these, these 12-week FTP builders, but... Is that 12-week FTP, that, that structure is so good, but is it of a benefit mm. to what you mm, are mm, doing? Mm, mm, mm. Um, you know, it's like tonight. Tonight is cold. It's got to be minus something or other. We're down in the southwest, so it's going to be like minus one. Probably doesn't get any lower than that anyway. But in some place in the country, it's going to be minus five, minus six. So yeah. why go out? Yeah. If, if you're in icy. danger, it's going to be icy. Yeah. If you can go out, it's not degrees, it's three degrees I would still say go out, but if you have an hour to do a session, then you can do two laps of, you know, the the the, um, the London uh, course, the Prudential um, yeah. go uh, the London uh, is it is Prudential, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, ride London. You can go and do two short laps of that, including Box Hill, and you know, maybe with a warm down, that's your hour. Mm. You know, so it's perfect what to cover. plug it into then. What do what are you watching when you're watching it? Is it a screen or is it have you got a big seventy inch screen in your Uber gym? Uh, I do, used to have a flat screen, but then I had a slight accident. We're trying to throw a, a, a set of Allen keys in behind it and it hit the flat screen. But that's beside the point. I use my MacBook. Was that what you were riding? You were riding and trying to throw Allen keys over the back of a flat screen television. That I sounds like, to, like that sounds like a party trick. I, I, yeah, I, I take your your running, swimming, and riding, and I do an Allen key and bike rowing um but you know i just use a macbook it yeah. has a you have a minimum requirement of what this can run uh, basically you're a figure on the screen yeah. and you pass and interact with other riders if you need so to so you've got an avatar then yeah I have. Have you? All right. I want to see that. Is it real to life? No. No, no. Well, I say it's real to life. It's a lot faster than I ride. (laughs) I've lied about the weight. I mean, I think these systems, these systems, going back to when I had like a Katai Cycle Simulator 1000, which at the time, you know, had a little screen and it had watts on, and people were like, why do you want to use that? It ran on coal. Yeah, it did. (laughs) And um, (laughs) not that much on No, no, I'm joking. joking. And it was... uh, it was just a good way of getting a really good resistance and warming up precisely, which that's the other thing about these things. If they're mobile enough, you can take them to races and warm up for time trial. Even for triathletes, some people do warm up and they see the benefits of it. And I get why people would do it. If out their door, you know, they've got very uh, high traffic flow, it's just not convenient. And if it works, it works. I just think you've got to be able to take a plan and make sure you don't do it regardless. And I deal with people, and sometimes we're taking their HRV. We're certainly talking once Come a week. Come on. Sometimes HRV. once a week. HRV, heart rate variability. So they're doing a morning test to check whether their heart rate is telling them whether they've... Um, it's not resting heart rate. It's actually the variability of the, of the time between beats. And it does pick up the obvious things that they're already saying, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Meanwhile, they're, like, coughing. Um, they say they're a bit tired and they had a rubbish night's sleep and they've just done one of the best, you know, six-day blocks of training they've done and their HRV drops and we say, hold on, let's rethink today. But these programs, you still have to do that kind of analysis. Whatever it says, are you ready for it? And it doesn't know that you might have picked up a cold from your co-workers, from your kids. You might have had a hideous 12-hour journey back from who knows where. So you cannot always do exactly what it says. And I think it makes sense for it to keep you under control. I did like that there wasn't too much high intensity in there because you can hear some people doing you know two or three high intensity spin classes a week and you're like blimey what are you trying to do to yourself there is only so much you can squeeze out the human body and it won't just get better and better and better and better there was a point at which you say you're not actually getting better you're just burning matches that if you want to compete or you want to be certainly healthy and have longevity 
that's working too hard. And we've all seen people that, you know, they've kind of lost the love for what they do. They've, they've binned it or they rarely ever do it anymore because they broke themselves through pushing too hard. We aren't as weak as most of us think the moment we miss a ride. We don't lose fitness literally in 24 hours. And if something like Zwift keeps you in touch with the basics, and then when you get those nice days, when you get the opportunity to get outdoors, you get outdoors and ride, I think it has a place. Whether FTP 12-week plan fits for you, I don't know, because I don't know what's happening to you in 12 weeks' time. And there, sometimes there may be better ways to get people to compete in, um, you know, in, in time trials or in little races with their mates in the real world or potentially on Zwift, but not to just almost like clinically training doors. Because we don't know what the no. output might be. And sometimes you've got to go with the flow. And sometimes you do feel a bit better than what that session wants you to do. But you still leave it as it is and say, I'm getting stronger, but I'm going to leave it as it is. So I like the, I like the logic to it. But without actually looking at it and trying to tease out what it meant, I could get the gist of it. And it did, that did make sense. But there's lots of variations in there, actually, just to simulate base work. And then a little bit, I liked the 10 seconds because I get people to do eight by eight. And they had like something like, I think it was something like eight by 10 seconds, you know, with a recovery. And I thought, yeah, you know what? There's nothing there that I think it is totally revolutionary. But if you've got an indoor trainer and you would quickly get bored and you don't know what to do, then to get on and hammer, hammer yourself into the ground is what some people think of as logical training. That must be how hard Wiggins trained. He must have got on there every day and smashed himself into the ground and not realise most of these sessions are okay. They're easy, they're variety, but at least they're keeping me occupied and keeping me do it. That's it. And, and I'm, like I said, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, of Zwift only through talking to customers that have come in. Um, I I was forced into doing it, if you know what I mean. I was forced into find out what it was all about. I had to, yeah, yeah. you know, because if you, you're going to be selling smart turbo trainers, you can't go, yeah, apparently you can plug it into a computer and it <laughs> yeah. does something. Yeah. You know, it works for computers. Yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, and, and I did this uh, quite a few months ago. I even had a friend that got offered the first beta testing for Zwift. And, and he was like, that. Oh, it's brilliant, you know, yeah. and, and he's a proper outdoors yeah. person. So he's like, it's brilliant if you're stuck for, yeah. for time. You know, all the smart trainers have caught up. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan. If you see me on there, by all means, uh, give me a ride on. What, Joe, what, Joe what, won't know what ride what, on means, but there uh, you go. And, and, and don't be offended if I don't uh, ride on back. But uh, normally I'm either cruising along too busy staring at the screen or uh, what's your what's your uh, what's your hashtag or what's your name? It's just just M Crocker. That's Ooh, all mine is. That was original. No, I don't hide behind. As I say I don't hide behind anything. I don't need to. Um, but the good thing is, is there's all nationalities on there as well. So yeah. last night I did a 45 or a 50 minute warm up on there, and there was 2,800 people on there. That's a pretty crowded house. But yeah, but it's it's so spread out. You just you kind of go past people. Excuse me, excuse me, get out of the way. Oh, wait, yeah, on your left. Well, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> can ring bells, everything. So I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of it. I think it has, like you said, it has a very, very good place. Maybe, maybe we could organise a ride on one day and be here well, and you, be on a ride well, on. You can do. You can, you can link it up to the telly and, and myself, and you can be riding whilst everybody else joins us while we're doing a podcast. We will do that at some point in 2017. Okay. We will do that. That is a promise. But what we can do is we can put it. You've got me a ride on, right? Have you for my birthday? Haven't you? A ride on or whatever. A Zwifty? A Zwifty? Aye, aye, But we could, we could organise it so you can have a, like a little Facebook thing and people that have been on there, they can wear certain strips, uh, put certain titles in the names so you all know you're riding together. So, yeah, it won't be a problem at all. Okay, game on then. That. Game on, I like that. And good, I knew that question when it came. I thought I can look at it from the, you know, the geeky physiology sort of point of view, but I know you've got experience of using it. Um, but... To be very clear, we will be up tomorrow morning and we will be riding that Tarka trail from, <laughs> from, from 10 to 6 tomorrow morning, okay? So we will be there. If you want to join us, watch out for the bright lights coming your way. Oh, what is this? Which one first? Beetroot oh. or watermelon juice? Watermelon juice? What? Don't shoot the messenger. That's the first thing, right? Don't shoot the messenger. People, he might have a second message. People got to squeeze watermelons. Right. Two weeks of watermelon juice supplementation improves uh, nitric oxide availability, but not your endurance exercise performance. So what's the point of drinking it? Yes. Um, so uh, I think this is 
and I'm going to paraphrase it, but this is a study where the hypothesis was that if you could get, you know, perhaps for people who don't like beetroot or perhaps just an alternative or cheaper or somebody that, you know, owns a great big watermelon juice uh, farm goes, right, could we possibly use this in order to um, basically go back on what they found with beetroot, which is if you, if you use the, the nitric oxide to help basically make the system, the cardiovascular system, run more smoothly. Basically, let the, let the blood flow be more efficient. And there's certainly uh, research that's been, for the most part, positive on beetroot, and certainly people that have used it. Maybe they just drunk more liquid, and that's why the beetroot worked. But there's certainly been enough positives, and I don't think we drop things just because there's a few negatives. I think, you know what, if drinking beetroot is a good thing because it's, more vegetables or you roast more beetroots or you generally just eat more beetroots then actually not it's a vegetable and that's probably better than saying you know what there's this um sort of you know it's not really a medicine you can take it for colds but oh you know what if you take this this will help you go quicker you know this is on about a natural food that might help you so i get why why people do like the idea of using beetroot i like beetroot i i like beetroot full stop but i think it does have a, a positive effect i've certainly noticed it any part of the year when i've tried to to dose up on it so they tried um 300 milliliters of watermelon juice and um they had i think it was yes yeah, 16 days of it okay so much longer than we normally see with the beetroot yeah. loading. Yeah, yeah. That's normally, you know, four to six days, mostly. Um, the, I think the bottom line was it did increase the nitrate. So the watermelon did do what they were looking to do, which is to improve that. Um, and also it improved... Um, the muscle oxygenation so the the way in which the body could you could if you like get the oxygen was improved um, but that was moderate intensity exercise and the downside is it didn't improve the time to exhaustion intense exercise but sometimes the differences are so small that even with stats as they exist you still may find that within those individuals you could potentially still get people that noticed a difference. And it's not until somebody does this and then somebody else does it and somebody else does it and you start getting this bigger, um, this bigger um, like group of people, even scenarios, oh, 16 days might have just been enough, let's try 20 or let's get people that do respond and then subdivide them and see whether they do respond more. So you've got to get more and more people there's certainly something there that it did increase the, the plasma, the blood level of nitrate and the muscle oxygenation. So there's a potential for the mechanism to help. But at the moment, unless a lot more people do a lot more um, studies, this was only eight healthy males. Now you can't take eight people, look at what they do and say, oh, either does or doesn't work. You start to see trends. When you get eight then another 16 and somebody does you know, a group of I don't know, people that have, you know, just had bypasses and they're looking at improving their exercise and does it help them to improve back into getting fitter? And you've got to go out on a limb to start the research with at least a theory that it would improve nitric oxide bioavailability and exercise performance. Well, it improved the nitro, nit nitric oxide. It improved the delivery of the oxygen, but it didn't include their exercise performance. But they were only healthy, recreational, active subjects. Um, and to be honest, that may not be enough within the variability that those people might show from day to day. I don't have the full specific details of how fit or unfit those people were, but there was a study the other day and it was literally they had a VO2 of something like 41 or 44. And that's not kind of, shall we say, uh, much over average. So these people, you know, were they just, in this particular study, were they just not even, you know, not even like into exercise, therefore, you know, did they, when it comes to the final test, not really try because they're not used to pushing themselves hard? Or would they easily show an effect because they're so unfit that they were bound to show a fitness mm. effect? So you've got to watch that from these eight people, there might be one person that was absolutely raving about how good they felt on it. 
and that might be the case. And we found with you know caffeine, there's probably one out of ten people that are a non-responder, and then two, three, four out of ten say, "Blimey, that really works for me. It's great." So I think you've got to watch. There's not a yes or no. There's like a oh, this might work, and it adds to perhaps potentially down the road for people that don't like beetroot you might start finding you know there's there's watermelon i don't know there's watermelon extract or there's watermelon like drinks uh, you know what we just said that you know beetroot if you just said 10 years ago people are going to be drinking loads of beetroot juice um they go what don't be silly people people rarely have beetroot be like, oh no i love beetroot i really think it's nice and other people would say no i don't think that but why would you do that so i think you've got to have a got to have an initial theory look at a mechanism see whether that works whether it just didn't work because these people were you know not the greatest of groups you've still got a 16 day period did the test between the first day and the 16 day did their fitness and their motivation vary more in the intense bit because the intense exercise is that thing on top of your shoulders, whether you can push harder and whether it allows Chip. you. <laughs> but but if it's showing at moderate exercise and the baseline blood values have gone up, and it's like, well, things that people couldn't psychologically alter, you can't alter your baseline nitrous oxide level by thinking about it. So those things are already showing there's a mechanism. It's just, do they have to drink, you know, it's not enough to drink 300, you've got to drink half a litre a day. Is it that beyond a certain fitness effort or fitness level it is or isn't going to make a difference but it's certainly something to look at well like you said it's, it's new isn't it it's new it's yeah. out and then like and somebody said, will be out there somebody will be out there straight away saying you know you always see it they'll take one study and they'll say watermelon juice it's a nest super performance thing it's great it's brilliant these people Sky were using it <laughs> whatever but you know people people will people will jump on the first one and not look at it and say, is it robust enough? It's certainly not because they were only healthy, recreationally active. So, and also they're only adult males. What about the female population? Maybe they wouldn't respond as well. There might be differences. Um, on top of that, there was a study about uh, beetroot juice. And in this case, it... Oh, is this the one about the acute doses of uh, beetroot? <laughs> yes, yeah, well done. You read the first two words, acute <laughs> doses. But this was in elite triathletes. So they were elite uh, triathletes. Um, I can't remember what the, um, what the, uh, the, the sort of uh, definition was in terms of their VO2 max and stuff. Um, sorry, but my eyes in this darkness. You, do you not have many lights on in here, do you? Um, they were elite, four males and four females. So they actually did, uh, yeah, you could say they did, they had enough total subjects, but they only had um, barely enough per group. And they actually found that with this beetroot loading, and I'll put the link up, I'll put the link up on the Twitter feed actually. They found it, it didn't improve their performance. And some of the times that's what you notice with the... Uh, Certainly with the higher-end athletes, you might not always see the same effects that you get with, um, with uh, shall we say, amateur athletes. And is it that the amateur athletes have got more to gain because they're not as fit or the elite athletes don't, don't really notice the difference in performance because they're already kind of right at their limit? So uh, the study was in Sports Nutrition and Therapy Journal and it was after two and a half hours after the consumption of the um, beetroot. And that's typically what many of the loading um, sort of scenarios uh, aim for. Or you do multiple daily doses. And I guess there's, you know, there, there were, you know, the responders and the non-responders. But you've got to watch that with any of these things... That particular group, they didn't find a benefit, but it may be that it was just that acute dose before, you know, a, as they call it, a middle distance cycling competition. And it may be that with you, you try it and you say, well, I've really noticed a difference. And, and I know, and you know, Crocker, that sometimes you can try these things and you can see that there is a benefit. You'd like to sort of put it down to purely being placebo, but you feel a difference. And that difference isn't just down to convincing yourself the money you spent must have made a difference. You actually did feel a difference. And because they did it like seven days later, they randomized it. Um, it was a 30-minute a, a um, 
they said 30 minute TT so um, middle distance cycling competition I can't quite see how they're how they're panning that out to be a middle distance cycling competition but anyway um, the the bottom line isn't you can't say something works every time that probably be with anything you cannot say oh yeah definitely be true no for the cost that it is we're on about earlier the disc wheel which is several hundred pounds for what three one liter james white's tetra packs tetra packs what's that going to come to is it something like nine pounds eight pounds so for eight nine pounds you test it you see whether you like it whether you can easily integrate it into your diet whether you do like the fact that your teeth go a bit uh, purpley for the next 10 minutes and um, and also to be honest gotta talk about it your pee goes purple as well frightening frightening purple when you don't know that's going to happen and then it does so we'll pre-warn that if you do it but yeah half a litre a day for six days gives you a three litre total and if you respond to it, well, you, you've responded to it. Your general nitrous, uh, nitrous oxide, your nitrate um, levels may be lower, therefore you respond. Other people, they don't. And I think it's not to say, oh, look, that's the one that says it doesn't work. No, in these elite athletes, only one dose two and a half hours before, it didn't have an effect. Now, I've had a bit of a discussion on this. Okay. Do you, I, I don't know whether you, whether you know or, or would you agree or disagree, um, would it work better for, instead of it being an endurance athlete or an elite athlete, it would work better on a amateur athlete who's doing the very, very top-end short, sharp stuff? So, for instance, 10-mile time trial, um, things like that. Do you, do you think that the beat troop works better that way? Does it work better on, on shorter, more intense? Well, one of the... I, I think it does. Yeah, one, of the, one yeah. of the earlier... Studies done, I think it was at Exeter, um, and they did find on a 16k 10 mile TT that it did have an effect. The thing is, with shorter time trials, you kind of think, well, don't you want longer ones to know a bigger effect? It's like the problem with the longer you go, the more the variables are varying. Can the person sustain it? You know, can they pace it correctly? So they found that that shorter one you did, and there's been other stuff in even shorter than that that finds that you do. And this was actually, um, I just double-checked actually, that it was it was 30 minutes, 30 minutes cycling time trial, um, you know, to see, and the goal was to cycle the furthest distance in 30 minutes. So um, when, when they say, um, when it says um, prior to a high-intensity middle-distance cycling competition, then you've got to actually wonder what these people define as, as, you know, that's not a middle distance cycling competition to do 30 minutes on a, on a time trial. Um, it's certainly not middle distance when you talk about triathletes because middle distance... And be- endurance, really, is it? Yeah, well, you know, they, they, talk about, they talk about the term slightly differently from physiological point of view, but I wouldn't call it a middle distance cycling competition because when, when you also talk about elite triathletes, you think, oh, what, they're doing, they're doing what, 90K? It's like, no, they're doing 30 minutes. And it may be that it has less of an effect because uh, they're not, you know, they're not shabby. These lot were national level triathletes who competed at the World, Tri- um, World Triathlon Series races and elite world championships. Um, they trained 21 hours a week, okay? They had, um, what did it say here? They had uh, 331 functional threshold power, but that was the average across uh, the... Um, the males and the females had an FTP of 2 to 1 now functional threshold power threshold power 331 watts is pretty solid that's lots of very good um, shall we say uh, that's uh, that's good um, time trial 10 mile pace that's not people's one hour pace and I'm assuming they are taking FTP to be defined as not what they did for their maximum um test for 20 minutes that's what they actually do for um for a test when we look at the um the, the power of wattage the average for the subjects that were male was anything between like 360 320 350 312 um that really i think is where they're getting their numbers from i don't think because that's all the subjects um, two, four, six, yeah. I, I think then they maybe have got the twenty-minute test is something around 
yeah, they say 288 watts for the placebo people, 285 watts for the um, the beetroot juice. So they're not doing the numbers. So when they say they're FTP, they're, they're meaning they're 20-minute FTP, which goes all the way back to what we said. People quote, quote FTP, and then they're quoting the 20-minute test. That's not your FTP. That's your 20-minute test. These put out an average of 285, which would be nearer... If somebody put in out 320 for a 10, they'd probably put out 285 for a 25 because I know those numbers are not too dissimilar to mine. So they haven't got a 330-watt one-hour FTP. They've got a 330-watt 20-minute FTP. Um, yeah, hence they, they can do 320 for 20 minutes, but they can drop roughly, let's say, 25 to 30 watts when they do it for another 10 minutes longer. Yeah, which would make sense. Okay. And it means what? Beetroot might use uh, one of the same mechanisms, which we think it does. It uses this sort of nitric oxide um, uh, sort of pathway, but it doesn't always work. And melon, watermelon juice um, doesn't always work. And you're making a funny face, obviously, you don't like watermelon juice. No, 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 I, I don't mind watermelon. I just, I, I think it's the same with beetroot juice. It's kind of after a while, I, I like beetroot. I don't particularly like the juice, but I'm happy to try a lot of things. Try it. Doesn't taste particularly nice, but it's not the most unpleasant thing. Does it work for you? Yes. Okay. That was a very categorical. Yes, that was very firm. I, 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 it works for me, but whether it then, well, like you said, you know, you, you out of one out of three might not yeah, yeah. even make an yeah. utter difference. But and uh, I remember somebody that was at a. Um, it wasn't me. It was somebody that told me they were at a pro tour. Um, I think it was multiple teams. It wasn't just like one team. And there they were with their shots being given a set amount, depending on how hard they were riding and what they were doing. And so, so you know, they, they were giving out beetroot to people whose job it is to ride a bike as fast as possible. And I think for the, let's say, certainly... The majority of people, there is a benefit that people say, yeah, I can definitely find a bit there, so I'm going to do it. And maybe it's, you know, maybe watermelon is a new beetroot. Maybe people don't like either of them. But it was just that sometimes people don't find it, sometimes they do. Sometimes you've got to look into the study to find out what do they do. And the beetroot was only for one instance, two and a half hours before. The watermelon was for 16 days. And still, they didn't actually, from an endurance performance point of view, as measured by the tests, didn't find a difference. So you could have said they wasted their time or they need to up the dose or the time. Certainly with beetroot, I think it's better to do multiple. I think you're better to do it several days. I've never found just one has had an impact, no matter what I've done. Um, two might, but I think multiple days of the juice is easier and does have an effect. And there's nothing that clearly is so unanimous, you think, that's got to be, that makes people so amazing. Any of these ergogenics, even training, only polishes your genes and makes a difference. If you stop training, clearly you can't do what you used to be able to do. But it's not like you keep training, 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 you just get better and better, better. Like if you just kept drinking more and more beetroot juice and you supplemented with enough vitamin D and you took your watermelon juice and you ate this and did that, you'd still only get to the point that your engine could get to. And, and, and I like that because I think you can't actually ever do any more than what your engine can do. It's looking after your engine and it's being able to know, back to the FTP question, when do you want to get your best numbers? You know, is it 12 weeks from now? So that means over those 12 weeks, you want to get more serious about your diet and your recovery and stuff. Or are you planning something like Ironman Wales in September? Think, blimey, I've got nine months in from now. The last thing I need to do is be hammering my FTP because I've got to last all that time to be able to then push over the finish line. That's it. That was good, though. Yeah, the, the questions are really good. <clears throat> the questions are good. A couple of bits of research. Um, it's uh, it's good to be back in 2017. That's it. Get the first podcast out of the way and definitely get your questions. There were other questions and I apologise to those people that uh, sent in additional questions, but I want to do one fairly soon and do another podcast. And a couple of people sent questions and then I actually thought, you know what, if we rush too much into this first one, I, I 
just think we we could do better with the two questions that I've kept back because then we can actually discuss it and, and we do actually discuss these things and we do look through before we do it but these next couple could be really uh, interesting but do send us your questions either via the Twitter feed via the um, at Coach Drew be a, um, Facebook or the not necessarily Instagram but certainly the Facebook or Twitter or the at Say Fort Racing or what else? I think that is most of the media. Um, or by postal. <laughs> postal pigeon. By postal pigeon yeah. to, to Exeter Road, <laughs> uh, Braunton, Devon, EX31. Three. Three. EX33. EX33, yeah, EX33. 2JL. 2JL, not 2JB. No, 2JL. 2JL, okay. So thank you very much, listeners, for getting all this way to this point. Please send your questions thank you to the people that sent the questions thank you to to ian bait to uh rob, rob, to rob brooks and also to toby Britton, and to the people that we will get to your question next time so take care train smart and we will be talking to you in under a month see you then not necessarily see you hear you then speak to you then. might see you once with yeah